This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. No, you fucking do it. No, you do It's funny. It's the ongoing joke now. I love it. It's not an ongoing joke. It is. It's your Welcome back to Genius Brain (laughs) Podcast with, I'm your host, Bose Bozington, and I'm bringing back my special guest, uh, David So. David, glad to have you back. It's crazy because I feel like you're here more often than I am. Yeah, it's crazy because I am literally here when you're not (laughs) all the fucking time. Thanks for coming on. Um, So we're going to do an advice column segment. (laughs) Uh, I, I want to say that it's coming from your Patreon. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because this is my show. You know, it'd be so fucked up. Like, this starts as a joke, and then all the comments are like, you know what? Bose would be a better host. I would fucking die. I will fucking die. And if you ever write a comment like that below this, I will find you and I will butt fuck your teddy bear. You understand? Genius me? Brain becomes just like a whole network. It's like Joe's this, show, Bose's show. As you're talking, like this that- poster just turns into your face slowly. It's just. <laughs> All the text changes to like the Bose show, but it's just a photo of me like. <laughs> I'm like, how did, what is going on? The colors start changing, cast and crew gets in here, the room My clothes opens start up. to change, I start vacuuming the floor, I start working here. I'm like, what's going on? I'm not even allowed to be on the, the mic. Like, sir, get off the set. <laughs> David, can you close the door and get the fuck out, please? Uh, David, can you go fuck yourself? Yes, I guess I will go fuck myself. <laughs> what is happening? Welcome back to the Bose show. <laughs> People are waiting for you to have a podcast, though. <laughs> Because you, there's also, hey bitchy, yeah, hey bitchy, hey bitch. It's yes. how cream people say it. Oh, so but really, just gonna put it out there because I like promoting people stuff. Thank Wait, you. Next year, thank you, sir. <laughs> Wait, this bitch about to pop off. I'm, I, I truly hope so. I oh. truly hope so. You got it's the almost, Midas touch. Whatever you touch does really well. <laughs> it's almost time for the leap of faith, man. It almost is. I mean, I've been in my job for, I've been, bro, because I told you, I told you the job I got, your boy was underqualified. I swear <laughs> to God. I had one day, because like, you know, I work in like 90210. And so I was like walking around, all these white people around, Bodeo's right around the corner. I'm like with my Starbucks and I'm like, wow, I really did this shit. I think it's so weird. I, it, it really is about what you who or what you grow up around with because when I'm in a group full of white people, I feel really uncomfortable. Really? I feel like I don't belong. Oh, I feel... I feel judged. Oh, oh, oh. I will say I went on a little vacation to Malibu because I thought I was like there yet and I felt very out of place. Like we're not like there yet. Oh, we're... you were you were doing yourself a self-cation, right? Oh, dude, yeah. I got I got my own place like near the water. Like <laughs> with riding horses and yeah, shit. Yeah, I went on horseback rides. <laughs> I took myself out to Nobu. Like I was... And I had just bought a car that weekend. I was not playing around. Oh, tell me about 
about that car situation because you were going off on Twitter oh, about that Oh, I was shit. going the fuck off. Okay, David, this is what I did. So I, I, I've been in LA for three years. I didn't, <clears throat> I never had a car. Um, where, the jobs I worked before, I had a stipend for transportation. So it just didn't make sense for me to get a car. Well, the new job I have, no stipend. So I was like, damn, I guess I should. So there was one week I had a lot of shit to do. I normally Uber everywhere. And so I rented a car because it was cheaper. And I loved it. I loved driving around so much that the day I had to turn in the rental, I started looking for a new car. I yeah, like that day I was like, damn, what have I been doing? I need a car. Um and I don't I personally I am not out here trying to get a Lexus right now. I don't need to flex. I don't need to. I know I know how I'm doing. I don't need to show the whole world. I just want something cheap, efficient that is gonna get me from A to B and mm-hmm. looks all right. So I obviously I'm gonna get a civic. So I go to the I go to the dealership, I walk in, they try to tell me, um, because of your credit, it's gonna be like 365 a month and i was like no it's not gonna be 365 a month because it's a fucking civic and it's the end of the year and i just want a 2019 help me help you get this off the lot yeah (laughs) it didn't work out i walked out calling me the next day so what i did was this is like my best tip for like doing anything at all like with a car with getting a car I went on one of those kind of generic lease websites, like not a specific Honda dealership, just a generic one. And I basically put out a beacon to every Honda dealership that said, I'm looking for a 2019 Civic. And immediately every dealership in LA started calling They're me. They're like, we need to get rid of this shit. Yeah, they, they wanted to get rid of it. And also buy in November. So they all start calling me. And what I told them was, hey, I'm at work right now. Can you write that down for me in an email? I'll come pick up the car tomorrow, but here's what I'm looking for. And I gave them my price. And so Every single dealership emailed me their offer. So then I started sending the offers to different dealerships and making them come down and down and down and down. From where they came from 365 for a fucking Honda Civic, I got down to 169 with tax included. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is my you best. You got 169 for a fucking Honda Civic? With taxes included. And also, when I got it down to that price, I had it between two dealerships. And then two Honda dealerships, they gave me 169 with taxes included, despite they tried to say my credit is bad. Bitch, my credit is not bad. It's 710. Fuck you. No, um, that's fucking great. What are they talking about? Yeah, they tried to say that my Experian credit score was lower. And then I was like, well, I want a car right now, and I'm not waiting for my Experian credit score to catch up with the others. So either you give me the car or I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And like I was like, that's that. That's that's what the plan is. So when I got down to these two dealerships, they were going to give me 169 a month, taxes included. <laughs> There was one that told me, okay, so your down payment, though, it's going to be 2000 plus drive-off fees. Found out the drive-off fees were 800 to $1,000. Yeah. So I came back and I said, no, I took out this amount from my bank account. I was very firm with it. I had walked out of the dealership two times at this point. I said, I took exactly $2,100 out of my bank account. It takes five days for that to transfer, and I want the car now. So you either take this, or I'm going to go to this dealership and get the car. They're like sorry we can't do that and i was like okay i'm going to the other dealership and while i was at the other dealership they called me and they were like okay we'll give it to you just just come down right now and i was like all right so i went down there and i fucking got it i walked out three times i had all these dealerships competing with each other and i need you to get me my car because i i thought my shit was good your shit's way better than i will i will shit yes so i got i got a 2019 brand new civic she's beautiful i love her taxes included 169 i feel like if there's like a zipper at the back of your head and if i took it down you're an 80 year old asian man (laughs) named kwang nam dong and also that's the other thing david i 
I was dealing with the same guy each time I went to the dealership because when I bought it for her, I went back the third, the, I can't remember if I bought it on the third time or the fourth time. But what I also learned was they thought because I'm a woman. Oh, they was trying to get one on you. Yeah, they were trying to get one on me. But what happened was because I'm a woman, I was complaining. I wasn't arguing with this man. I was complaining. I complained to everyone. I even told this motherfucker and because I know the salesman has to talk to the the show the floor manager or something. It's really not his call. And I was like, okay, well tell the floor manager to call me. So I complained to him too. I was on the phone. I was like, look, it's a fucking Honda Civic. Like, let's be real. And then I was like, the sticker price, you're not even marking this down. I, I looked on Reddit. I was speaking their language. I was doing all this shit. And he was like, all right, okay, okay. Ladies, they don't want to hear you complain. They do not want to hear you complain. And for a car salesman, time is money. Once you take up five or six hours of their time, they're losing other sales. And they have to keep dealing with you until you come into the dealership until you buy it. That's pretty fucking good. I don't have the patience for that shit. Your name is Dong Fan from now on. You're so fucking funny. And you know what I was about to do? You know what I was about to do? Fucking take that when i did a test drive of it because they'll let you drive it around for a while sometimes they'll let you drive it if they trust you with all your shit they'll let you drive it for the day i should have taken that car and driven it down to another dealership and been like you know i think i'm about to buy this car do y'all have anything better damn you crazy (laughs) damn you got it for that much that's crazy i got it for dirt cheap because i wasn't settling for any less i didn't i didn't really want a car why why would i pay to drive myself around i need a around. new car i have a honda i have a honda which i love by the way but that's just becoming problematic you got a honda fit or something don't you a honda element that shit's fucking that shit i probably sp- i spent more money fixing it than i did buying it Jesus, fucking just because i love it and i'm also just a very stubborn human being and i don't like people being right so they were like yo that's just gonna break down I'm like that shit ain't gonna break down hmm. not if i put seven thousand dollars to fix it up <laughs> shit Dude, you could have got a brand new you could have leased a brand new car for that don't, Bro, don't, now, don't tell me shit I already know. Oh, I can't. I cannot wait until it's time to get my next car because your boy is gonna be way richer and I'm gonna be a lot more savvy with this shit. I'm, I'm like, I want my next car. I really want to get a Corvette Stingray. You trying to get a Corvette a- in L.A.? You trying to scrape up everything? My God, that's just like an <laughs> inch away from the floor, and you live in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills is the worst place to have a fucking Corvette. Dude, I want it so bad. That's the dream car. But I think I'm going to go out of state to get it. I, I love a good deal, David. I you're, love you're a Asian good Asian to the fucking <laughs> max. Oh, I love a good deal. Sometimes I just buy it because it's a good deal. This girl just fucking masturbates to fucking coupons and shit. Oh, <laughs> She's oh like, David. Oh, my God. Look at this right here. This turkey used to be a dollar a pound. Now it's 87 cents. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Let me tell you about my Keurig cups that I got. Then I'm paying eight cents per cup of coffee. Oh my <laughs> god! There are some people who are like convenience fucking whores. You're a deal whore, dude. You I, love that shit. I love it. Yo, deal. it's true though. Like buying stuff at the price that is not supposed I've to never be. Never talked about this before. You're a fucking freak, dude. <laughs> I want to keep my money, dude. I feel like when you when you fuck too, you're like you better you better talk about like some honey deals right now. <laughs> when honey came out and they started putting off that those little online coupons, you're like, oh my. Did you know that I found out that through the Ralph's app, or through your grocery app, you can put digital coupons on your like Ralph's card so that when you go to scan the card, the coupons are already loaded to the card. So you don't look corny with a bunch of coupons, but you save all that money, David. Oh, really? Yes. Target does it, too. You load the coupon onto your card that everybody scans. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, David. That's how I got those Keurig cups for eight cents each. I didn't know that shit. And why are you talking all sensual shit? Because I love a good deal. (laughs) 
is it hot in here? Or what? Your fucking Tinder profile right now is what turns me on. A good fucking deal. My about on Tinder would just be in all capital letters. Love a good deal. Dude, you and Steve could talk about because Steve is a fucking cheap motherfucker. Oh, dude. dude, I love it. I love, 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 love it. Like, I'll, dude, I'll haggle for anything. I'm not even looking for an apartment right now. And I went to look at this apartment because sometimes this is so whack. I feel like I've put all my secrets out on David's show. I, in order to motivate myself sometimes, I'll go look at apartments or houses <laughs> because I live in a rent-controlled apartment. I live in a huge one-bedroom that I got for dirt cheap. For how much? <laughs> I got I can't tell you. It's a good deal. It's a real good deal. And my rent only goes up by like $60 a year. <laughs> yeah, it's rent-controlled. Okay, so... so <laughs> Damn, I'm so impatient, dude. I, I don't got that shit. Dude, I, wish- I, I will wait. I'll wait for it. I will. And I, I, I won't. I'll try not to buy from corporations. I'll buy from like a single owner or something like that. But yeah, so I went to look at this apartment the other day that was pretty close to mine. It was like a really pretty one bedroom. And I told and she told me that the price for it was twenty seven hundred. And I was like, Damn. I was like, wow. I was like, it's twenty seven hundred even with all the construction outside. And she was like. Well, I mean, yeah, but all these amenities and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but that's subway construction. That's going to be there for five years. And you're charging 2700 for this? Where the view is the construction? And she was like, well, I, I mean, we can definitely discuss that depending on the move-in date. You know, that could be reasonable. Yeah, I'll haggle an apartment. And you weren't even going to move. For con- that's fucking right, David. <laughs> this girl, after she, after she brokered this deal, she went to the car. She masturbated for an hour. <laughs> That's what this bitch did. She fucking finger banged herself in the car. Oh She's like, God. yeah, you get that shit for me for 2200 bitch. <laughs> <sighs> I love making money and I love saving money. <laughs> That's fucking I love funny, it. Dude. I love it. Oh man, I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm okay at haggling, but it's just like, I'm more about the convenience of the time. But that's definitely a hobby of yours, though. Like, you definitely love that shit. Well, because I work in marketing, I do, I do hundreds of thousands of dollars of ad buys every month, and and so I deal directly with the salespeople each day. But because I work for like a billion dollar company. I have unlimited budgets yeah. in in my work life, so I'm not afraid to walk away from these salesmen sometimes. Like if Washington Post wants my money, then like they need to give it to me at my price. So I've learned to not be afraid to walk away or what to say in these situations by playing with my company's money. Wow. I mean, still doing my job, obviously, but I've just learned a lot in it. And it's bled into my real life where like I'm not afraid to walk away from something. I need you to help me. <laughs> I think people just be fucking. I could have saved so much money. I'm over here because Bart's not like that. Bart's a convenience guy. Bart Bart just be dropping money for no fucking reason. Mm-mm. He's just like, mm, it's convenient. I'm just gonna do it because it saves him time, you know. But it's like, man, I feel like the 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 money that you save though is like some real shit. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I and I I'm I'm happy. I'm really happy when I fucking do it. You know. Oh, I gotta get on your fucking level, dude. We gotta figure this shit out because I I I I'd be wasting money on a lot of shit. Because I'm looking really? for a new car, and I there's a car that I... You know, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, this sounds like this. a personal <laughs> conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, are we recording? <laughs> I was like, hold on, we're going to talk about this for a second. Because there's a car that I want to get right now. And, so, you know, I'm more of a functional person. Oh, functional dude, and car. you know what else, though? People, because, like, I'm a five-foot-tall woman, and, like, I come in, and, like, I don't budge. Like, I don't. I had actually had a meeting with your people a while ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. At Thrillist. <laughs> I was at a table with three men and we were talking we were talking about shit and like I didn't budge and you know what they told me at the end they were like yeah you don't 
you don't take any shit. And then the other guy was like, no, she doesn't. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, men. It's, like, it's funny because like, yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to like deals and when you're working on the stuff, like there's like this weird fine line of figuring out, okay, what's what's the basis in which I need these requirements that need to be met and what can I give and take on, right? Yeah. I think a lot of the times like what makes you know, us look bad is when there's uh, people out there who just walk into a meeting and they bend over and they open up their butthole. Yeah. And they go, okay, fuck me in the ass, please. You know? But, but I mean, it's also because a lot of times people aren't in situations where they can walk away. Yeah. And like I said, I kind of got that fortified in me from work. Yeah. I'm, I, I get to dangle $25,000 over somebody's head and if they want my money, they need to dance. And so I've oh. I've I've learned how to make them dance. That's and your reparations. How yeah. to walk away. <laughs> that's fucking Bose's reparations right there. It's the like, power. Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, you motherfuckers. Yeah, how you like this shit, bitch? Yeah, I mean, really though, and like I'm, I have to, I have to make people dance all the time, and if I don't like the way that they're dancing, I I leave. Oh, you make me want to work harder. <laughs> like you really do. Like I feel like I'm so lackadaisical about everything that I do. I don't really like really fucking go for something unless i'm making some type of food well i mean because it, it, but it, the the beautiful thing is it's coming to you so easily so i mean and yeah if you the thing is is like if you're happy with where you are then great but if you aren't happy you know that you just have to put that extra umph in it and you could and oh, you're like a motivational speaker you don't even know you by <laughs> default you're making me feel like a piece of shit and that's how i get motivated no david you're making you already think you're a piece of shit I know, but I need to think of it more. Because <laughs> I, I don't think I'm a piece of shit enough where I need to work harder. See, that's yeah. the thing. Like Some people, what I found out too, this is what I found out from my mom when um, I was trying to motivate my brother. And people get motivated through different ways, right? And just because you get motivated a certain way doesn't mean somebody else will feel that same way. And so I always try to motivate my brother to do better by calling him a fucking loser. So I thought that it would – because we grew up in the same household. Yeah. So it's like, oh, if I recognize that I'm acting like a loser, maybe – I'm going to fucking sack up. I'm going to do some shit, right? But I was tearing him down <laughs> every day. And I had no idea. Because <laughs> I was talking to him as if the way I wanted to be spoken spoke to, right? Like, yo, man, don't be a fucking little pussy-ass bitch. Wake the fuck up and do some shit. What, you going to wake up every day and just be like this all the time? And he's you crying dumbass? and you just keep going. And he's like, I get it. I love it. <laughs> You know, and I'm thinking, you know, going to sleep every night. David, you did a good job. <laughs> You're so stupid. And I put my hand over behind my head and I go to sleep. And I wake up in the morning and he's demoralized. And I talk to my mom. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this? She's like, well, how have you been talking to him? But call him a little bitch. That's what I'm supposed to do. She goes, no. Like, you don't, you can't talk to him the way you want to be spoken to. She goes, you're the type of person when somebody feels like they're doubting you, you want to prove people wrong. I was like, your brother has never been like that. He's, he needs, he needs to be uplifted with positive words. He needs kindness. And then he'll, he'll feel better than he'll do better. He mm-hmm. goes, that's how he works. He goes, you're different. You can't talk to him like that. And for like a year straight, I was calling him a piece of shit. And I thought I was helping him. <laughs> I was really fucking him up in the head. But yeah, you are one of those people that like, you're one of those people where like, in, like you can tell yourself, okay, Jess is very similar. Yeah. Jess will like beat herself up. She'll beat herself up all day. I'm stupid, like blah, blah, blah. But the minute that you come in, you're like, yeah, you are stupid. She's like, what? Nobody can say that but me. And then she rises to the occasion. And I, I was like that too, you know? And like, you know, if I say like, David, you fucking suck. What are you doing? You could be doing so much better. You're like, what maybe, the fuck? Maybe I can. <laughs> and then you kick it in high gear because it's like nobody can say that to us. To us, but this is ourselves. Start like the Hey Bitch podcast set. All of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start and actually. Then all get, the girls. Come yeah. Out. 
I'm gonna start having different guests on. I'm start <laughs> like having schedules and shit. I'm just more like, are you trying to talk for an hour? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's how I do that. my shit. Yeah, <laughs> that is. I like because I was like when we were like gonna do this, I was like, oh, in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, what are your shoot days? And you're like. Sunday, 11 a.m., 6 p.m., Monday, 4 a.m., when you free. I know, when you free. We can make it happen. Let's yeah, make it well, work. I got the keys. We can just walk in, whatever. And I'm like, okay. I'm very fucking loose with my shit, dude. God. I feel like I'm, well, let's, let's go into the topic today. Uh, I forgot. Uh, oh, hold on. Let's see. So, today, interesting. So, we usually do this with Joe, but we got Bozy. Am I, am the, I your first sub in? You're the first sub in to ever do an advice column, or we call it. The genius suggestions, because we don't call it advice because of legal reasons and we might get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> suggestions. That means you take it or leave it, you jackasses. Okay. Um, Damn, what is this segment usually like? Is it just you and Joe being like, fuck you? Nah, nah, nah. We're, 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 we try to keep it well-rounded. Uh, okay. You know, to All the right. best of my ability. But, you know, everybody knows who I am. Like, if I think you're doing something dumb, I'll say it because I'm trying to, I'm basically talking to my future self or my former self, actually. Okay. So this is from uh, Patreon. So if you guys sign to the Patreon, you guys get to suggest everything on Genius Brain. And uh, this is from Logan. Uh, Hi, Logan. We're going to listen. I'm going to listen now. Logan, uh, this is what Logan wrote. Shout outs to Logan. Um, Okay, so this is my situation. I am 21, still living with my parents, trying to save up money to move in the next year or year and a half. They've been married for 20 years and recently, about six months ago, my dad found out my mom was talking to another guy behind his back. Oh, shit. This is getting juicy. Okay. Oh, no. Fucking skank. Just kidding. Uh, Ever (laughs) since then, my dad has been very untruthful with mom, but wanted to work things out, although it might have hurt him to learn he wanted to work it out. What? I think they're very emotional when they wrote this. None of this makes sense. Uh, My mom feels she is being attacked every time for not doing anything bad, but she was clearly doing something. Wait, but the mom was talking to somebody, right? Exactly. So I think what he means is that um, at at the time he felt like she was doing something behind his back, but she would get highly defensive and angry because he was to suggest things, but it turns out that it was true. Uh, My mom feels she is being attacked every time for not doing anything bad, but she was clearly doing something behind his back. She even told family members of her side that she is being attacked by her family. We have tried telling her she doesn't open up. We can't help her. Every day she blames everything on my dad, even though he's trying the best to talk to her. Don't get me wrong, because he is also in the wrong, in my opinion, because over the years, I've never seen from either side trying to be better for one another. This has affected me in a way where I can no longer see them the same from when I was seven years of, from when I was seven, very specific number, when they were happy. Yes, they would bicker about things, but they would get through it. So the question is, what do I do? Because at this point, I feel like moving out and parting ways from my family uh, because it'll give me a break mentally. P.S. This is how I feel for the rest of my uh, extended family as well. Ooh. So the whole situation right now is that your emotions and how you feel about your parents have changed because you've seen them go through this very terrible thing where you're seeing your, your um, first of all, your mom cheated on your dad and you saw a very dishonest side from your mom and you also see a very bad side from your father and you, you, you want to feel the type of love that you felt for your parents when you were seven. Right off the bat, unrealistic. Okay. Um, <laughs> <this> <laughs> welcome to Genius Suggestions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I don't feel bad for you. I really do. Um, here's here's the thing. Um, we're we're just gonna start at this right here. Your parents are human, and when you're younger, it's very very hard to see them as human beings. Yeah, when you're a kid, you're it depends. Some, I mean, like there are some parents that are not great, but assuming that your parents were loving, nurturing, your parents are Superman and Superwoman to you. 
but yes. they can do no wrong. They are the parent. You are the child. They are this almighty, all-seeing force, and you, you follow them. They are your shepherd, and you believe them. So it's not crazy that once they become human and that's no longer hidden from you, that things change. Yeah, and you see, like, your parents' kryptonite. It's like when you first watch Superman bleed for the first time, it's like, oh, shit. Superman can fucking bleed. Yeah. And that's a hard thing. You're at the age of 21, too, because that's around the time I started to realize that my parents were human as well. Like, they had feelings that they hurt. That yeah. when I say things to them, it actually hurts them. It hurts their feelings and it makes them cry. It makes them very vulnerable. Yeah. When I was younger, I didn't get that shit at all whatsoever. Because I thought, like, oh, my parents are always hurting me. And no matter what I say to them, it doesn't, I'm, it's not like I consciously thought about that shit, but it was already in my head. And it's also when you start to reach my age where I'm like 31, 32 now, it's like, huh, my parents are going to die. Like they're not going to be here forever. Yeah. And that that thought, like you're going through the first stages of it where you're starting to realize that there's chinks in their armors, right? Yeah. You know what? Actually, I went through this exact situation um, and like I'm actually going to like I just I've never processed it before ever. Um, so I'm going to process it here and try to walk through this experience with this person, but I'll give you backstory on it first. Yeah. Um, this was like actually really rough when I, when I was very young, it was when Facebook first came out one day, I randomly got a message from this guy out of nowhere. And he said, Hey, uh, hope you've been well. Um, just want to introduce myself. My name is so-and-so and I'm your grandpa's son. And I was like, I don't know this guy. And I tell my mom about it, and she's just like, okay, don't talk to him, just like, blah, blah, I start to look, looks exactly like my grandpa, I looked at his pictures, and I was like, holy shit, grandparents don't sleep in the same bed, you know, they, they, they don't, I didn't, you know, just a few things started clicking, and what ended up happening was uh, I, what, I believed that my grandpa was Superman, he is this all-seeing, all know this wonderful, beautiful person that could do no wrong. And it clicked. Like, he had cheated on my grandma. And not only that, but had a child that he was not taking care of. And this child wanted to connect with his family. And what I did at 16 was I rejected him. Because I didn't want to believe that my grandpa had done this. This person, this human, to me at the time, was a symbol of this... this uh, yeah belief that it, it, it cracked uh, it cracked something in it, it shattered this reality of my grandpa and I didn't want to believe it so and that is something that has haunted me for a long time I've since then connected with that guy this was over 10 years ago um, but at the time I didn't want to believe it I wanted to keep believing this false reality so the first thing you need to do is accept that crack it's, if it's something that's completely shattered you need to accept that um damn i feel bad i feel really bad now <laughs> but you you have to accept that you don't want to blindly keep believing that your parents are this person because now your actions they don't they aren't connected in reality they're not um and this is gonna sound kind of blunt but you already were like unrealistic um this this is gonna sound really fucked up your parents are adults they are grown adults yeah this is not your problem this mm-hmm. is absolutely not your problem. And I also cannot express how much growth people go through the minute they move out of their home. 
you, your ego and yourself is so tied to your parents, their mannerisms, the way they raised you, that the minute you get out of the house, you start to separate and develop your own sense of self. You'll be surprised how many tendencies and mannerisms you've adopted from your father and your mother that really aren't yours. They just kind of became a part of you. And there's some you'll carry with you. Like, do you have any tendencies from your mom or dad that you realize you still have? <laughs> and I Dude, hate it. We, we have so many, but at least now we recognize them when we're like, fuck. I recognize it all the fucking time. And it's so it's yeah. so interesting too, because I like my, 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 I used to have this really bad temper. And, I, you know, I've said this before on Joe, when Joe was here. We're just like a watered down version of our parents every time, and we oh, only become slightly upgraded from the shit that they did. Yeah. And that's really that, that 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 it is. Like this whole "fuck you" mentality, I'll do whatever I want. It's from my mom. That's how my mom is all yeah. the time. Oh shit! My Your mom is a gangster. Yo, my mom is so in Korean. She says "hamonim." Hamonim is the a pastor's wife, mm-hmm. right? And there is a certain. Is that why you're the anointed one? I'm the anointed. Hallelujah! But um, there is brother a... David the anointed. <laughs> There's dun dun, <laughs> and I said I'm anointed. Boom. <laughs> we need a key. We need a church keyboard, yeah. man. Anyway. Yo, this is a side story, real quick. But the reason why I crack up about that, I had a buddy of mine where he was telling the story about one of when his uh, grandma passed away, and this fucking pastor, like as as fucking like sitcom like black family as ever. This fool told me during his grandmother's funeral, this fool was playing like organs. Doesn't even really know his grandma, but he was like, she was a good woman. Boom. <laughs> she made the best sweet potato pie. Boom. Boom. <laughs> she loved basketball. Boom. <laughs> like during the whole funeral. It's like, and she gone past away. <laughs> Wasn't too early, but God took a sip. Boom. Dude, can we please get a keyboardist for just one episode? <laughs> Constantly, but we would be riding the energy of the keyboarders. We'd be like, "Welcome back, Dun Dun, the genius brain, the anointed." And I just, and I just want one. I just want one beautiful eighty-year-old black woman in a beautiful ass hat and church fanning herself, going, "Yes, yeah. yes." Uh, that dude, that David, that's me. Take me, like I, you know, I'm really, you know, the movies with like the the the, the, the like the old black lady or in her probably early forties, and she really just says. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, baby. You go, girl. Like, that's literally me, David. <laughs> that's literally me. So I will be that 80-year-old woman with a big hat leaving her imprints in the wood. You ever seen that yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. heels <laughs> Welcome back Bam. to Genius Brain, Bam. a podcast. <laughs> People are like, is this a religious podcast? What's happening here? And the first thing that happens is like. David's Christian. I lost my faith a long time ago. <laughs> I really am. I, I feel like people get surprised because there's like certain fans that, that see me at this church that I go to and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's not even a fan moment. They're yeah. like, we need to get him out of here. Like, Have you not burned up when you walked into this building? <laughs> Is this really a good church? Does God they love you? Here? <laughs> <laughs> but I go to a church with a lot of white people, so they don't know who the fuck I am. Oh my God. Yeah, there's a bunch funny. of white people. They're uh, like good human beings, so they don't watch uh, the Genius Brain podcast. Yeah, but what the fuck were we talking about before? Oh, um... Before yeah. I went to the side story. Shit. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, your mom and your father. Move out. Fucking move out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're all like a small little reflection of our parents. And I can't I can't help but see those specific type of behaviors because my mom, once again, she was a – she. I got that uh, fuck you, like I don't care mentality because my mom was a samonim and a samonim is the pastor's wife. And in Korean culture, 
at Korean church culture. She can do no wrong. Oh, so she has to uphold a certain uh, type of, I don't know, I guess like look or behavior that they expect out of a pastor's wife, right? Very agreeable, very warm. Yeah, like in Korean, like, yeah, 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 I guess that, which is like, yes, I understand. And they're, you know, very warm and kind. Well, they found the biggest Korean hillbilly on earth to do that. And my mom was not that. So they used to get in fights because my dad's like, you know, my mom curses a lot in Korean. So if you wonder why I curse so, so much in English, because my mom curses a shit ton in Korean. So mine is just translated to, to a different language. So my dad, my, I remember just listening to this argument as a kid where my dad was like, you're a samonim. You need to behave like one, right? Like you make me look bad in the church when you behave like this. And my mom's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, she goes like, fuck this shit. That's your job. You know I mean, why the fuck am I sucked into this shit? You know, but my mom... You know, God bless her soul. God be with her. She, <laughs> she would, God. she, uh, she would cook for the church every like almost every Sunday, make make food for like fucking like two hundred people. She would work uh six days a week at the store, like eighty hour weeks, and then when she would come back from like working from like seven a.m. to like eight p.m. at night, from eight p.m. to like two in the morning, she would be making lunch for the Korean school in the morning, and then she would go to church that next day and make food for the church. That's the type of woman that she was. So I understand her stress and why she was so fucking pissed. It's like, yo, I got to do all this shit and I got to be your little fucking little show pony all the fucking time. Like, yeah, no, if I'm going to be the pastor's wife, I want to be at home. I want to be a stay-at-home bitch. Yeah, I'm trying I to knit some shit. I want to be a couch bitch. That's what I want. Yeah. I want to spend 80 hours a week on the couch. <laughs> Just praying. (laughs) (laughs) Just praying for my husband's safe return while he teaches the gospel at the church. That's what I want. I don't want to be stressed. Oh, 100%. I don't want that. Stress is tough, dude. Dude, being a pat, you know, like suicide rates in in, uh, ministers is really high. Really? It's really, really fucking high. Um, I had a friend of mine who is is a, is a minister now, and I didn't know that he was going through this at the time because, you know, just from looking at somebody from the exterior, they look like they have everything together, but he tried killing himself. And it was because he couldn't take all the pressure from being a, 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 a spiritual leader. Yeah. Also, not very Christ-like, sir. I know. You can't do that. That's what I'm saying. You can't do that. It's hard, though. Isn't it so crazy that mm. within the religion where, you know, killing yourself is a sin, that a lot of, like, youth ministers go through that route where they where they have like a lot of suicidal thoughts because of all this pressure because like when you're a minister what a lot of people don't know it's like you can you go one way or the other you're still going to be seeing as you're fucking up something because you're supposed to quote unquote lead this flock or the sheep that's so interesting because i did you ever honest question did you ever go through a depression phase where like you were suicidal no, I've never felt suicidal ever in my life. Uh, I've been very sad, like very deep. I, I think it's depression, right? Like I've had yeah. depression before, but I never thought about killing myself because I was like, man, you too dope. What's the world going to do without Dude, you? Dude, I was, it's so interesting to be so far on the other side now, but I was, I was what I would call passively suicidal. <laughs> where like literally every day, every fucking day I wanted to die, but like I didn't have the balls to like actually do it. Because oh, that I, hurts. I just, yeah, that hurts. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt. But, like, if it happened to me, I genuinely believed that I would have been, like, happy. And I was, I was so, I was so suicidal that I got, I got so angry. And I remember being pissed off at somebody that volunteered for a suicide prevention thing. Because when I had to go through that, it, their method of keeping you on this earth is guilt tripping you. It's Mm. telling you that this person's going to miss you. How could you do that to this person? And, 
I was that made me so angry. I don't know if anyone else has ever been had to go through some kind of suicide prevention. They they basically their tactic is, well, let's just keep them here for now and then we'll get them help. But for somebody that has the weight of the world on their chest, when that's you, not what they need. It's not it's not what they need at all. And it would piss me off so much because I was like, you are not me. You are not going through this. You are not going through this pain. I it, it is selfish for you to want to keep me here when I don't want to be here. And I wanted so fucking bad. I wanted so badly to kill myself. I really did. Like, I just wanted wow. to die. But, <laughs> boy, has that <laughs> I David, when I was purchasing a car, I was looking up Safest Vehicles 2019. Oh, you trying to, you like Precious Cargo uh, now. Yes, absolutely. I complete 180 i i built this life for myself that like and and it and you know it started with smosh like i got i i feel like i got so lucky to get pulled into that and i cannot imagine i can't i can't even go back to that place that i was oh yeah it I must can't, be a really dark place that's why dude, I, I can't i'm like i'm like please every day i wake up i was like let me live <laughs> <laughs> you open your like, eyes, you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Every day I'm like, oh, nigga, we all oh, here. Shit, I was oh, like, all right, time oh, to go oh, do oh, some oh, dope oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> Every day I wake up every morning, I get out of bed, and I'm like, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what I'm saying. That's what, I had like this episode where we were talking about suicide, and I brought a guest on who who attempted to kill herself. And the reason why is because I can't relate to it, so I can't really talk about it. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, like, I don't know what that feels like. You the should close... have brought me on. I, I would Shit. Um, I would have read you my diary entries, David. You know, I'd be on here. I'd give you all that this shit. shit. Had, like dark stickers on it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the closest thing I got to killing myself was bacon. That's about it. You're other than that. I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> other than that, like, I'm pretty fucking good, dude. Like, I think, like, the reason why I stayed alive was just to piss people off. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to kill myself. If I'm alive, who are you going to hate? <laughs> like I gotta stay alive just to annoy you. <laughs> like why the fuck do you get to live and be happy? Fuck that. Well, what happened on that episode though? Uh, she okay. So she was a cancer survivor. Survived cancer twice. Wow. wow. And then e- even after she can- uh, survived cancer twice, she had a really good. She her name is Cat Sweets. Uh, great bakery self business person blows up. Um, still didn't feel like it was worth living because of all the shit that she's going through. She had a miscarriage. She lost her kid too as well. Wow. And then she decides to try to kill herself, and it, luckily it didn't work out. Yeah, and you know, I think like it's it's hard because like when you're in these like dark moments, the the, the tool that a lot of people don't have the form of what I'm gathering from hearing all these stories is that pain doesn't feel temporary to somebody yes, who's suicidal. That is ex- exactly mm. what it is. I I I don't really give a lot of people advice on this because I. Because my world took like a full 180 after I joined Smosh and moved out to LA. Shout out to Smosh. And and that's not an opportunity that a lot of people get. So it's like my situation isn't that relatable. But what ended up happening was I got plucked out of this depression and just given a new chance. And so then I started looking, okay, well, while I'm, I'm out here, like, how do I make this work? How do I do this? So the only thing that I tell people is when you are severely depressed, um, when you're feeling suicidal... You need to find a mentor. You need to, or I'm not even a mentor, maybe like a somebody to look up to. What the fuck is that called? A role model. Yeah. You need a role model that lives the life that you want to live because you need to be able to visualize yourself somewhere other than where you are. And whether it be, it sounds whack, but creating a vision board to just find that role model to envision, try to envision that life that you want, you, you need that. 
because you're right. It's like it feels like this. There's no way out of this pain, and the yeah. only way out of this pain is to end everything. And everything is temporary. And <clears throat> on top of that, when you look at these people who who you want to be like, and you see sometimes that it doesn't feel like it's attainable. A lot of people don't share all the scars and the wars that they went through just to get to who they are as a person yeah. now. And so you're you're trying to you're trying to fast forward these steps to see like I want what they have without going everything that they went through. Yeah. They just had like the the mental fortitude to get through it, right? So if you see this where you're like even for me, if you look at me as a hero, wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you like, know, cool. I, I I fear for you, but nice. thank you because I've heard I people say I that, fear right? For you. They're like, "Well, you know, like they're like, oh, well, how do you do this? Like, how did you start doing stand-up to going into film and doing all this other stuff? It's like, well, you weren't there for me when I got booed off a of stage. You weren't there for me when, mm. you know, like little friends have laughed saying that I couldn't become a stand-up. You weren't there for me when I've had like teachers tell me that I wasn't going to be anything. Like, these are stuff that built me up as a human now. It was very hard to get through that shit. But at the same time, it's like there's no way that I would have been who I am now without that shit. Yeah. Because I needed, I needed to hear those type of things. It's just like for me at the time and the tool that you don't have once again is the fact that you thought you think that when you go through that, that this is going to be the rest of your life. And I never thought that it was like, this is temporary. I have to get over this shit. Right. I've talked about my anxiety, like how I used to. <clears throat> this is probably the third time I mentioned it, but I want to bring it up again because I've didn't I couldn't order food at a fast food restaurant because I couldn't talk to people because I had such anxiety issues. I was like, oh God, I said I gotta I gotta you ask something of somebody. You couldn't order food at the at the restaurant. I couldn't order I couldn't order food at a restaurant, a fast food restaurant. I couldn't make eye contact with people. I couldn't do any of the shit. Damn, David. I went from that Who to beat you? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I went from that to doing stand up. <laughs> you know, so come on. Yeah. Like if if somebody like me can do it, I think that you can too. You yeah. just have to accept the fucking beating that you're gonna get to get to victory. Mm-hmm. That, that ass whooping that you're going to get, you just have to accept it because it's going to happen. There are people out there right now that are fucking trash and even they have a – they're successful in their shit. In, yeah, in something. They're resilient. It, or, or you know, those that ass beating you have, that, that ass beating that everyone's had, that pain, it's not just an unfortunate instance. It's not just life shitting on you. It's a lesson. Yeah. Every single thing is a lesson. And with each instance of pain – I don't think people even realize how much stronger they're getting like yeah. every day. Like I I I would probably I would relive a lot of the shit that's happened to me just like just to become stronger like again. Like I would I wouldn't if I could go back into my life, I wouldn't change anything. There is no situation that was so bad that I was like, "Oh, I could do without that." Fuck no, dude. I learned something from that and no matter how bad it was, it made the other bumps in the road less scary. Because like like and I used this as an example before, losing my job out of nowhere. Yeah. Like I career-wise, I can conquer anything. I'm not afraid of anything like in that field. I'm really not unless like somebody wants to like fucking sue me. Please don't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean for for the most part like that that pain was a huge lesson and it was like a huge elevator because now the little things I'm not scared of them. And it also lessened my anxiety so much. Yeah. Because when you conquer it, you're not constantly thinking about it anymore because you know when it comes up, you got this. Whereas when I was at my job when I first moved out here to L.A., every single day I was like, what's going to happen if I get fired? What if somebody hates me and I get fired? What if the audience hates me and I get fired? What if I fuck something up and I get fired? What if I get fired? What if I get fired? And then it was like, okay, now you lost the job. And then I conquered it. And then like it's not a fear of mine anymore. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I mean that's – it's it's just like this, oh god I, I really not that I say I wish like I tried to commit suicide but it's like one of those things it's like 
damn, this is something that I really can't relate to. Yeah. Like, it's hard. And I, I, and I even relate this back to something small. So, you know, when Mr. So Mr. Rogers passed away, right? I, I wasn't born here. So I had to learn how to speak English through every other facet that wasn't my parents, right? It was usually television and school and, and whatever. So um, one of the shows that I used to really, 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 really fucking love was uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood mm-hmm. as a little kid. Uh, when Mr. Rogers died, I fucking cried. And I didn't know why because I didn't really think much about him, right? I was like, oh, Mr. Rogers passed away. And I remember I was in my Isuzu Trooper, which was one of my first cars ever. And I was driving and it was like from the men's warehouse and I was driving back to back home. And I remember this day because it hit me so hard. When he died, I heard it on the radio. And I started bawling my fucking eyes out. And I, and I, and I remember I was sitting there and I was thinking like, why the fuck were you crying? Like, it's Mr. Rogers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you even remember a single episode that you saw from Mr. Rogers at all? And I started to realize later on <clears throat> when I was watching his show and I watched this little clip of him trying to gain financial support for public television. And it was his mantra. That I think that I like you. It's crazy how when you're a kid, all these like positive things that are fed to you really do. They, it does affect you as an adult. You just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. They're planting seeds. Yeah. Right. And they're just waiting for it to grow. And so Mr. Rogers has this thing where he always tell kids, he always tells children or when he was alive that, you know, how important your existence is. It was like his main Mm. thing that he would tell all the time. And I watched his show 24-7 as a fucking kid. And that shit bled into my psyche as an adult. I truly believe that watching his show religiously as a kid affected how I felt how I feel about myself as an adult. No matter what I went through, and mind you, I went through some fucking terrible shit. I never thought that a way out would be for me to kill myself. Wow. And I think it, I really do attribute to his show and a lot of like public television where they kind of instill this thought of you're important, you're worth it. You're important, you're yeah. worth it. And then it just starts to build up inside me whether no matter what I'm going through, it always falls back to that foundation. And so when Mr. Rogers died, I was like, oh shit, why did I cry so much? And I watched his show and then I watched that clip of him explaining why public television his show is important and I'm like that's it that's the mantra I live my whole life by and it's from this little show that I used to watch when I was a child I think that makes so much sense and and, and it's interesting because you get all the wisdom from a man that's in like his 60s and he has to translate it into like he has this opportunity to teach like what what do I wish that I knew when I was a kid what do, what do I want my children to know and he's got a lot of wisdom he's lived a lot of years and it's so good that you got to learn through that when I was a kid, I grew up watching Courage the Cowardly Dog, and I turned into that fucking dog. <laughs> I, I, I was mesmerized by that show. I would watch it every day, and I, as like a seven-year-old, I'm like, well, this dog is absolutely right. Something could go wrong at any point in time. <laughs> and that I was be- not the message became, of Courage the Cowardly Dog. I became, what was the message then? Huh? It said, you know, Courage the Cowardly Dog. I became that little purple dog with anxiety as an adult. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. What about Winnie the Pooh? You don't watch Winnie the no, Pooh? No, just Yo. courage. You want to watch... You wanna... And Invader Zim. What the fuck is that? <laughs> you don't know what Invader Zim is? Nah. Like, I I think I literally watched every fucked up TV show. And meanwhile, you're like, welcome to the neighborhood. Existence <laughs> is important. <laughs> it's so wonderful day in the neighborhood. neighborhood. <laughs> A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Would you be mine? I So sweet. So kind. Yeah. yeah. Winnie the Pooh, too. Also, dude, Winnie the Pooh 
That's the fucking Yeah, homie. Winnie the Pooh is so positive. I think maybe the most positive show I watched was Bear in the Big Blue House where this terrifying man in a bear costume would just come out and be wacky. I don't even know what was going on in the show. And then I would watch Gullah Gullah Island because I had representation. dude that was how i was raised gullah gullah island bear in the big blue house invader zim encourage the cowardly dog this is horrible (laughs) damn i grew up like like winnie the pooh is also some of those things where i look at now if you watch the winnie the pooh movie that came out maybe a few years ago where it was they were like cg animated and stuff that shit made me ball my fucking eyes out oh my gosh dude when he was so wholesome you know what that makes me think i god i I don't think I'm going to be like one of those helicopter parents, but honestly, this conversation right here, I'm going to make sure that like a little bit of what my kids watch is something that's positive like that because they don't really make shit like that anymore. It's all a cash grab now. It's a how do we keep retention? What are they watching? What is this? But Mr. Rogers, it was just on and we absorbed the messages. No, it it, it literally has to be. And I get scared because... I don't think people realize like how much children absorb on the daily. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it's just like, oh, let them do what they want. Let them be free. I agree with that to a certain extent. But I think I am living proof of how those subliminal little messages or even like straight up messages as a kid does affect you as a fucking adult. Yeah. It's fucking crazy how much Winnie the Pooh. Calvin and Hobbes, like these little comic books I used to read and stuff, affected how I view the world, how I view myself, even till this day. There are a lot of things that I saw growing up past that, but it never stuck to me like these these positive words of wisdom when I was a little kid to the point where I didn't even know it was affecting me like as an adult. I yeah. didn't get it. I started bawling when I heard this old man who I haven't seen since I was a little kid. Never even thought about a show once when he passed away. I started bawling my fucking eyes out as if I lost a parent crazy well i mean it's his legacy yeah and it, i would just would have never thought it would have, i thought like if barney passed away i've been like man that was that was the dude does that ever inspire you at all to try to create your own legacy um i don't really care about legacy though interesting like legacy doesn't mean shit to me legacy but it, legacy is not like this is what i've done legacy is how many people i've touched like and how many people like when you said that i was I'm like, like <laughs> i was like bows don't break don't give it to him <laughs> how, how many people have you touched how many people David's have touched many <laughs> but, but that's what i mean like people that you've like touched or affected like personally they, because david you literally do a fucking podcast about advice or not advice for legal reasons uh <laughs> suggestions and i mean you you are affecting people's lives yeah i mean i think that's probably if 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 you know, if I've talked about this on the Patreon where I've only stay on YouTube now. YouTube makes me no money. Just just to let people know. I make money everywhere else but this platform. The only reason why I still post to YouTube now is because of people who still enjoy the content, because it affects them in a positive mm. way. That's really about it. Like I'm not sure if you guys know this, but we talk uh, David Dobrik. I'm sorry, I'm saying his name wrong. Yeah. David Dobrik. Dobrik. He put out his article where he makes a gajillion fucking views and he makes like $2,000 a month on AdSense alone. That's how little YouTubers make money. That's not all YouTubers. Yeah. But if you don't have like kid-friendly content, this is what happens to you. This channel on the, on AdSense alone makes about like a thousand-ish dollars a month. Yeah, the the girls' channel. We've never, we haven't even done a single check from the YouTube pay. Like, I don't even know if that channel has made any money. I really, I really have no idea. Exactly. And then we make money off of like doing sponsored stuff, but then also we really don't make shit because we split it between six people. Yeah, that's why nobody will ever create a group that's kind of like ours because the networks have the split in mind mm-hmm. and. 
our dumbasses put six girls together, but, yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is. It is what point, it is. I mean, know? it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's and nobody went into it for money, exactly. and like you don't do this for money. We don't do our shit for money. It's for. It's because I really, really enjoy it, you know. So yeah. that, I guess, like, if, if we're going to go to the topic of legacy, then yeah, that's that's probably what it is. I'm glad I got to help people here and there. And <clears throat> once again, things that I say, if it ever sounds harsh or something like that, I'm literally just talking to myself. It's because I don't know you personally. I don't know you when I'm saying this advice. I can only speak to myself as, as if the advice that I want to hear from somebody else. That's yeah. how I want to interpret things. So I mean, well, back to your topic where you're talking about your parents. Um, <clears throat> you got to realize that your parents are human, and it's, that's the hard part. It's you the have hard... to, yeah. You have to process that. You you absolutely have to. And if you don't process that, all of your actions are going to be through. For example, let's say you never. This is going to sound fucked up. Let's let's say that you never cope with the fact that your mother is a poor communicator and she didn't know how to communicate to her husband what she needed, so she went and found it in somebody else. That fucking sucks. If you don't accept that, you will either A, take on that personality trait yourself because it's been normalized, or B, you're going to believe, no, my mother's not that. My mother's this fantastic person. I need to help her. No, you don't need to help her. Then you're going to try to stay because you think you need to help this little broken bird that has been hurt or, you know, something like that. Or you're going to think, I need to be there for your dad. No, you don't. You're a 24, you're a 21 year old man. Yeah. You absolutely do not have to. And I can't tell you enough how often David has to tell me this sometimes. I have to tell other people, I've to tell myself, it's not your problem. It is not worth your energy. It's not worth your thought. It is not worth your time. And it's so difficult to set that boundary when it comes to family. It's so difficult. It's very, very hard but, because it starts to suck you in. But family is the is the thing that will suck you in harder than anyone else because yeah. you believe that you believe blood. I have to. I have to. That's not true. Yeah, you can help where you can help, but you still have to worry about yourself too because when you kind of – because also too, you only know your parents as mom and dad. You don't know your mom as fucking um, Daniel and Jean, whoever they are to everybody else. The side that you see to your parents is only what you see mom and dad shows you. You don't know about your mom's personal problems with like maybe like infidelity or trust issues or your dad's problem with trust issues. And you don't know how often that's happened. That might really fuck you up. That might be that might be like when they were dating. Maybe your mom cheated on your dad, or maybe your dad cheated on your mom before, and that was something that she held on before. Maybe she's getting back at your dad because he cheated and caught. You don't know. Yeah, maybe your dad is emotionally unavailable for your mom all the time, and he constantly ignores her. And then she maybe found... your dad is a cuckold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe your dad actually recorded it and he was masturbating to it constantly, and then she got tired of it because the fucking video leaked. Maybe your dad's not even your dad. <laughs> Like all these genius suggestions. <laughs> He's like, what? He goes back, Dad. Are you my real dad? Takes off his mask. Is a fucking. It's me. I'm your daddy. <laughs> You've learned well. <laughs> yeah. we, we we probably would have kept going. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though it's it's hard when you see like these flaws in your parents because like i said it's i mean if you want to wrap it back to yourself would you want people to judge you uh without without an ounce of forgiveness in their heart you know without seeing you as a human being that's allowed to make mistakes that's allowed to get yeah. better from this stuff sometimes parents even stay i mean I, i'm not saying this is your case but um i know parents who have stayed together up until the kid was 18 simply because they didn't want to see their kids in a broken household yeah and and that's sometimes 
worse. Worse because a broken household doesn't have to be a physical thing. Yeah. It could be what they see right in front of them every fucking day. Yep. Yeah. It, it that's I don't, I don't know. Um but I think that it, <laughs> I cannot say enough how it, it's not it's not your problem, but what if you want to stick around for it, it's because you want to help. And sometimes the best thing that you can do to help somebody is to let them fall flat on their face. You know, if you if you're and it also I think based off of that message, he said that his mom wasn't taking ownership of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was kind of going. Oh, there was another part where she she, she was victimizing herself by telling other family members that she was a victim. Yeah. Of, yeah. So and, and like maybe if it sounds like you know getting back to like that whole conversation, it sounds like if anything, just based off of the information we have, it sounds like the dad is really kind of a victim here, yeah. and a lot of times men. They do not. They, your dad does not need you, his son, to lean on through all of this. He yeah. wants to get through this shit on his own. He wants to be on plenty of fish in six months after he gets his own place doing his own shit. It's like when a man gets sick; they don't want you to take care of them. Like your your mom. Oh, needs you never to... you never met me then. I'm, <laughs> let me tell you something. When, da- I, when ba- I get sick, I cause a scene, dude. David, I, baby, so <laughs> yeah. When I get sick, Mariel knows because I'm like, I'm sick. <laughs> And I'm like wrapped up, and then Mariel's like rolling her fucking eyes because it's like a cold or something, like a common cold, right? And I'm like, oh, everything hurts. Oh, I and guess who I learned that from? My, my dad. Mom. My dad. Really? My dad would do that shit. My dad would be like, oh, I think I'm gonna die. And, and I'd be in the, uh, and then you should just hear my mom in the background, like, shut the fuck up, dude. It's a cold. Like, yeah, no. that's so funny. Well, you're the first guy I've met that's like that because most men, they're like, no, no. I'm good. They don't want to go to the doc. You know how they say men, they don't go to the doctor for stuff. Oh, yeah. Men men are some of the last people to go for mental mental health therapy or what f- therapy. I can't talk. Mental health shit. Mental health shit. They, they don't check in, you know? So, like, first of all, your mother needs to take some accountability. Um, and I say this based off of the information that we have. Yeah. And also, she has a family support system of people she's been complaining to that know more than she does. They're gonna more than you do because they're hiding some stuff from you because you are their child, and they know more about the backstory and they can help her. You need to get the fuck out and you need to go be your own man. Yeah, and if if you do want to be involved, be involved in the way that you can, but don't let it destroy you because you don't know the whole story. There's no way that you will because they're not going to yeah. be that open with you. Um, I actually just remembered a great fucking example. Um, <clears throat> I know somebody right now that are I, I know a lot of people well that are going through uh, mar- marital issues, and they're going through marital issues right now, and this is like problems that they've had for quite a fucking while. But it was buried in the fact that. Um, you kind of focus on the kids and then you don't really focus on the relationship. Right. Well, kids are getting older now, right? And so when the kids are out of the house and they start doing their own thing, you have to go circle back to your personal issues that you had with each other before and then you don't have kids to distract you anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, they're, they're going through their problems. They're finding a lot more. But one of the one of the uh, older kids got involved, right, where <clears throat> he doesn't know the type of stuff because I know because I've seen it. I've seen like their problems. I've t- I've been talking them through it for the past few years now. But the kid kind of popped off on the mom was like, you know, I always see you just fucking mouthing off at dad, doing all this other stuff, blah, 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 blah. And you're the reason why everybody's unhappy in this family. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, wow, this little kid doesn't know anything, you know, because, you know, their parents shielded them from that stuff, the personal issues. Yeah. And that's why in your case, I give you some advice where you probably don't know shit. 
you yeah. literally don't know shit. Just you like, probably weren't even supposed to find this out. Yeah, and that's probably and that kid, you know, for him, he he just sees his mom being upset at the dad, but then at the same time, he also doesn't see the fact that you know their personal issues of you know him wanting to have sex with her whenever he wants without any foreplay. Yeah, you know what? Those, or being emotionally unavailable, maybe. Exactly the fact that he almost cheated on her a couple of times. See, you don't know these things, yeah. kid. But then you know he wants to pop off and be. I'm. I know the problem and I'm the solution. Like, well, you're also just a fucking kid still. Yeah. And you you don't know about the real problems. And so it's like for me on the outside, I'm like, damn, kid, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, and also what it I I never agree with sacrificing yourself for somebody else's benefit. Oh. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that you're getting out of it is that sense of worth. You're like, I helped. And that, that is so fleeting. It's, I it, like to live for myself and then live for others after. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm more like I'm living for myself. And if you are tied into the mix, then so be it. Um, one of the things that I am constantly, constantly doing is um, I make a lot of connections like while I'm out here and I'm very aware of what people's skill set is and what their connection is. And if I start a project, for example, uh, I, I like it's still in the works, uh, but just in November, I launched a production company with a friend. I had a friend that had a particular skill set and she was not doing so great, wasn't super happy with her job. And so I'm like, well, I need you, but you also need this. So I'll bring you in. But if I don't need your skill set, I'm not going to just bring you in because I want to be the messiah that helps you when you're in a bad situation. Fuck that. And yeah. people do that shit all the time. They want to ra- they want to feel important by giving somebody either a part of them or like in this case, if I were to just give her a portion of my money because I wanted to feel like the messiah. But I'm like, no, you have something that I want, but I can also we're intertwined. Yeah. It's mutually beneficial. You, whenever you're about to sacrifice, when you're going to burn yourself alive to keep someone else warm you need to really look at it and be like what am i getting out of this yeah it's okay to be selfish you need you need to be somewhat selfish to survive because you're living for yourself at the end of the day you know what you sound like too you sound like a bitch that's been has gone through some shit that's that's exactly what you sound like you like fuck everybody let me tell you something else i've been through this shit fuck your problems motherfucker really you, you sound like you've been through some shit. You sound like you've been shot so, at and yeah. stabbed at. Somebody dragged you through the mud for sure, dude. That's that's a that's facts. But I cleaned myself up and I got up. <laughs> now sure. you're like a little more savvy about where you spend your time with and who you really want to give a fuck about. It's like because I think people get fucked up with that shit too, right? They feel like they have to. They go, I oh, if I'm doing well, I have to make sure this other person yes. is doing well. Mm. Well, because for me, I was a people pleaser for 15, 10 or 15 years. I, I don't know where it originated, but there's a phrase that I that I that I absolutely hate that I hate so so much, and it's like it's when people say that they they don't want to do something, but they're like, but I don't want them to be mad. Ooh, I I can't. I, that was like a cornerstone phrase for me all the time. Like I either don't want to like take this job, or I don't want to go out and do this, or I don't want to do this project, but I don't want them to be mad. Like I clearly don't want to do it, but I'm doing this for somebody else's benefit. And but it's so that they're not mad at me, so that they like me. And oh, living like that is so tough. I remember exactly where I was walking when I was on the phone with somebody complaining about something after something just didn't work out, and I realized I have been sacrificing myself 
and doing things for other people. This was maybe two years ago. I was like, for 10 years, and at this point, I have nothing to show for it. I have been bending over backwards, doing anything and everything for whenever somebody needed something, I was there. Emotionally, financially, physically, anything. I was there. But it's because I based my self-worth on, do they like me or not? And then after 10 years, I realized I had nothing to show for it. Literally nothing. I had, I did not have stronger connections. Those people liked me because they liked my personality, not because of the things I had done for them, not because I was always available. They just liked my personality. So I could have not wasted that time or those energy or those resources and I would have had the same fucking relationship with them. Like get it, being a people pleaser is your own trap. Yeah. It's 100% your own trap. Did you ever have people pleasing tendencies? Uh, probably when I was really, really, really young. Um, but that shit got really exhausting after a while. If anything else, I got in too much trouble because I didn't people please a little bit. You mm. know what I mean? Like I was just always like, "This is who I am." Yeah, and because I, I was always trying to figure it out, it was so hard. I think it was just like, I mean, everybody went through that phase where you're trying to just say things to always keep the peace. Like I mentioned, like in high school, like you have ten people you like, two people you just give a fuck about, but you tolerate them because you just want to please everybody else around you. But at a certain point, that got exhausting for me. Like I just didn't care. I didn't have it as much as other people did, but I do understand what that feels like. Yeah, like giving so much of yourself that you forget that your opinions matter, how you feel matters, and at the end of the day. It's just it's you and your and your choices. That's yeah. why I, I even use that advice where people who <clears throat> uh, develop relationships with other people to please their parents. I'm gonna get with this person because I know that this person is somebody my parents would like. Well, what about you? You like that person? Yeah. Your parents are gonna die one day. Yeah. You're gonna be exactly. left with them. You're gonna be left with the children that you have with them, the house that you buy with them, the cars that you get, and the money that you share. Yeah. Where's your parents then? Yeah, imagine being like, well, I picked them because I can bring her home to my mother. Yeah. Or are you going to be happy when you have to go home with her? Yeah, like family is an important thing and my mom understands that too. But even my mom told me, she goes, you know what? Like I would love to have a, a daughter-in-law that I could speak to and everything else. She goes, but at the end of the day, I'm going to pass away. And then you have to live with that choice with who you end up with. Mm-hmm. And so even my mom gets it. She wants certain things. Like she would love for that girl to speak Korean. She would love to develop a relationship with that. But she knows that she's going to go away one day. And then I'm going to be left with the wife that I don't like. Damn, I can't believe your mom said that. My mom's wise and dumb as fuck at the same time, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That bitch is fucking crazy, dude. You know what? My big thing is is that uh, everything that you do, it should be mutually beneficial. I I mean, if it's in collaboration with somebody else or you're worried about somebody else's opinion. Friendships are like that, too, though. They, what do you mean? They're mutually beneficial. Well, yeah, yeah. A, a good friendship is. Yeah. A, and you notice that. When it's a toxic friendship, it's not mutually beneficial. It should be a, what is it? A, sim- a symbiotic relationship. A, sim- a symbiotic relationship. A symbiotic relationship. One organism feeds another organism and that organism feeds back into the other I've seen organism. a lot of friendships fall apart because it wasn't a symbiotic relationship. relationship. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it, it, they thought it was a symbiotic relationship (laughs) but it wasn't it was one friend taking 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 and the other person didn't have anything to offer except for maybe like some laughs and some good time right but that person was not a stable human being and then they were always all they the friendship was based on them giving them advice building them up building them up building them up but when they had a problem they had nothing to offer they couldn't offer them advice right and give them financial help couldn't do anything for them and then when things fall apart they're like oh shit it's like well i guess like i didn't we're not on the same level like i'm over here and you're right here and the other person feels like well you think you're better than me it's like no it's not that they think they're better than you or that there were certain issues that you guys had it's just that you took in the friendship all the time and you had nothing to give back right so that person 
get got tired of it. It's like you've been friends with a narcissist before. Yes. I feel like almost everyone has. Mm-hmm. It is the most draining thing. Me, 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 ever. me, 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 me. And like they'll, they'll call you and they just want to talk about that this thing that happened to them. And then, okay, I've told you my story. All right, bye. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's the most absolutely draining thing. Like you just took thir- 30 to 45 minutes of my time telling me this story that you think is hilarious. And then now click bye. Yeah. Like what, what I didn't get to talk. Do you care about my day? What's going on there? And then the person on the, with the short end of the stick, they start to feel it. They may yeah. not be able to pinpoint like, okay, this isn't mm-hmm. a mutually beneficial thing, but they kind of either sh- like shy away or they act out or they something. And those friendships do not work out. They do not. It, it Like, you know what? They taught us in school how to do a fucking Venn diagram. Okay. <laughs> if something doesn't feel right, you pull out your little mental Venn diagram and you're like, okay, what am I getting over here? What did this person get over here? What did we both get in? Does this look congruent? <laughs> does, does this look congruent and like you could run through that in your head in five minutes that, like you should do that and if it's not congruent snip snip goodbye we've had our time here goodbye and I say the same thing with family too same exact thing with family like okay for our guy what was his name Logan I want to say it was Logan 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 Stahl Logan <laughs> Logan Stahl. Uh, you're 21 at this point now Look at this relationship with your mother. Is it mutually beneficial? Okay, now you have your own funds. You can live in your own house. Your mother is no longer feeding you, clothing you, and putting this roof over your head. Well, what is she supplying to you now? Like, it sounds like you're like, yes, this is my mother. This is my blood. But the reason our mothers are motherly is because they are helping. They are a gentle force. They are there to catch us when we fall. And that is providing some kind of support for you. Are you getting that support? Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I, I like family is super important to me. But then, I, you know, I have a fucked up family, but they've, they've always, like, we've always had a good tie yeah. with each other. You know, Because my parents are nowhere near perfect at all. If I could tell you the battles and the personal stories that we went through to, to get how we are now, it was, it was hard. Like, yeah. It was super fucking hard. Uh, I shared this story a while back where my dad uh, and I just, we never saw eye to eye. Like, ever. We fought all the fucking time. I think my dad looking at me pissed him off. Like, just my very presence made my father angry. Wow. And, and it was it was, it was was a hard time for me because I wasn't the son that he wanted me to be. Damn. I wasn't, I, went, I didn't go to a really great college. I didn't get straight A's. And he thought that he did everything in his power to set it up right. He goes, I did this. I did this for you. I did that. I did that. How come you didn't turn out to be like this? But he never really asked. David, what is it that you want? My parent never asked me that either. Yeah, and they asked. and they and they were so bitter about everything that they had set up for me, and it, and then that wasn't for me. That was for you because you don't know what I want, mm-hmm. and what I want is what is best for me because that's mm-hmm. what's going to make me feel the most fulfilled. Because I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like we, your children do not want to be destitute. I want to, when I'm 30, I want to eat and I want to pay my bills. So what I want in life, even if I'm a child and I'm figuring shit out, is going to be something that is sustainable. Like I'm going to survive. So you don't need to set me up to be a doctor. Yeah. I'm not going to be fulfilled. And I would rather, it sounds so dumb, like, well, because I need, look, a bitch needs money, but I want to be fulfilled. (laughs) I want to be fulfilled in life. My number one top priority is not money. It's fulfillment. And even there's sometimes when parents tell you that, you, you, you communicate what you want and they think that they're going along with what you're saying. They still have to encase it in the way that they want to do it. Right. It's like, so like my dad, I don't know how many times this fool said this to me. He goes, 
I told him I wanted to be a stand-up comic, and this is what I was going to do. I was going to go into comedy. He goes, cool, I'm going to sign you up for comedy college. I was like, hey, what the fuck is comedy college? <laughs> it's clown school, yeah, David. Like, what the fuck is comedy college, oh, dude? He was God. like, it's a comedy college. Dude. We're going to send you. And this fool sends me a link, right, because he hates being wrong. He goes, boom, I told you there's comedy college. He sent me this shit from an Ivy League school in a, thea- in a theater program. I was like, you do realize I have to get into the Ivy League school. Oh God, and so- it's not comedy college. It's a theater major, you fuckface. That's so fucking funny. That's so funny. You know what I mean? He doesn't understand these type of things. Now, there's nothing in this world that's going to teach you how to do stand-up. There's, there's classes where they learn how to do stand-up comedy. Nobody turns out to be a great stand-up comic from that shit. I don't yeah. believe it anyways. I think like you can learn how to set up jokes. Right? You can learn how to write jokes. Yeah, setting up jokes is a format. Yeah. And, like, and maybe you can practice your delivery, but there is no one, two, three. It's not like history class. Exactly. And so he was like trying to make up these things that didn't fucking exist. And I was like, I could take an improv class and stuff like that. Maybe that'll help out. But it's not a college. It's not a four-year fucking course where I get units and credits. Like, Can I ask? Are they? How do they feel about everything you're doing now? Everything. You oh, I make money. They don't give a fuck. Asian people, it's like they see money. Okay, good time. You know, so it's like... <laughs> I mean, do they, do they, do they, like, I mean, they they don't have to watch everything, but do they, are they proud of what you're doing? Do you I'm not sure if the word proud is, but I think they're more, not so much of what I'm doing. They're proud that I could um, support myself and I could support people who need help. That you figured it out at least. Yeah. So they don't, they don't care about, I think they just always wanted to know that I would be okay, that I could survive. Yeah. And then it was just really hard. Uh, just not having them believe that I could do what I wanted to do. And I, my dad and I had this huge fight. This is years ago. This is the last huge fight that we had. And I literally told him, I was like, could you imagine how great I would have been faster if you would have just showed me support? Yeah. But you chose not to. I was like, you made that choice. When I asked you for help, you called me dumb. You called me stupid. And for a whole year, I didn't talk to you for a whole year. I left the house. We didn't have any communication because all you could see that what I was doing was dumb because it wasn't what you thought you wanted me to do. Right. How different would our relationship be if you would have just listened? Yeah. You know, I think that, that kind of hurt him. Or, you know? Yeah. Or just asked or cared. Yeah. I mean, they, they just, you know, sometimes parents, they think they're 100% right. Um, my, my mom literally, I think I said this like earlier in the thing, it's a phrase that's ingrained in me. My mom would say, I'm the parent and you are the child. And it would make me feel so small. Yeah. I, and you know, I can't express enough. Like ask your kids, ask your kids how they're doing. <laughs> like ask, like, and really care, really care. You don't, you don't know everything about your kid. You may know where they're at. You may know what classes they're enrolled in. You know, their teacher's name, but you don't know what their thoughts are. You, you never know unless you ask. And it's just so incredibly important to teach children that their thoughts are valued, you know? I, I'm really lucky that, like, my, my mom did not practice that growing up, but Jesus Christ, that woman is my biggest fucking fan. She, she's, yeah. wa- she's watching this shit right now. Like, I already know it. She's my biggest fan. Even before I uh, moved out to L.A., when I was on Twitch, my mom, she's still subscribed to my Twitch channel. She was in my channel 24-7 just watching. And she would say, like, what time are you going on? And I'm like, it's not a it's not a theater show. I'm, yeah. I'm just streaming. I'm just streaming yeah. video games. And she's like, she's so, she's so happy. And it and I think it makes things easier for me too. I you know what? You mentioned David Dobrik earlier. And like this 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 is kind of in the same realm, but it just kind of like leads me into like gratefulness because sometimes I have to remind myself like, damn, I'm really I'm doing this shit, you know. I'm we're paving a way for ourselves that oh, 100%. no one expected, and I feel like sometimes I take it for granted. And I I heard somewhere that David Dobrik had said one time that uh, 
sometimes when he feels like he's not grateful for it, he tries to see his day-to-day through the lens of his 18-year-old self. And I did that one time and I thought about it and I was like, okay, 18 year old Bose, you know, living out here in LA doing all this shit because I never would have like fathomed it. I was like, my first thought, I was like, all right, damn, bitch, don't touch anything. Don't fuck it up. I 18 year old me would not know how to run the life that I'm living now. Oh, yeah. Would have no idea. Like, how do you see yourself as 18 year old David right here? It's 18. (laughs) Fuck was I doing? Oh, I was with my very first girlfriend. And I was very, very happy with her because that's the first time I had pussy and <laughs> it was great. And then I was also miserable because I was forced to go to UC Riverside and I didn't want to go there. And my dad and I had a very terrible relationship. Uh, now draw yourself out of that and put yourself in the seat right there. Isn't it fucking weird? Yeah, but remember I just said too, I could never go back in time. I never want to go through that shit again. Dude. I'm very happy to be here. Like I we did a whole I did a whole podcast on about gratitude and like how important it is. Yeah. And it's 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 very easy to see your cup half empty all the time. Very easy. Yeah. It's just you have to really make that conscious choice. It, it's just so corny to say this, but man, fucking two eyes, hands, and a feet. I could walk. I could do everything. Yeah. Even something as simple as that. People don't have that privilege. People don't think it's a privilege. You know what? <coughs> I, I think is <coughs> I it sounds really whack to okay, there's some like there's there's not the whole like law of attraction <coughs> thing where like you try to like manifest your goals. You know, you write things down and you go for it. And then there's also gratitude. And they're kind of considered new agey things mm. that is like, oh, that's cheesy, writing down, manifesting your goals and, and doing practicing gratitude each time each day. But actually, it's so common that it was adopted in Christianity because thanking God for everything you have is practicing <clears throat> gratitude. Mm-hmm. Praying for things that you want to God is practicing like manifesting your destiny it's the same shit it's picked up in different religions it's not that weird to do and in christianity when you are praying or or not even christianity all religions when you're praying and you're asking for things or being thankful for things you are practicing gratitude and the law of attraction every single day that's why like i still fuck with christianity man like (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that uh, i think the religion is great just sometimes you know the people fuck it up yeah but like a lot of the stuff that i think people that are trying to learn from this podcast is actually stuff they learned in church, like that gratefulness. Yeah. You know, learning how to be kind to it. I'm telling you, if I didn't have church, I think I'd be a serial killer. Yeah. I think I would just literally just murder people just because I feel like they deserve it. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. You know? And so now I'm just like, oh, I can see like why me growing up in a church really taught me to be, um, to help people when they need help, to extend love, you know, to create community, all this other stuff, even though like, I don't attend churches as much as I used to, but all that stuff was embedded in me because of uh, the, the church community that I had. I agree. Yeah, even though I'm not religious now, that um, good intention is still kind of like embedded in me. Yeah. Like I can't shake it. Sucks. Like I can't. I can't strangle it. <laughs> I'm a good person, man. Fuck it, dude. It's, it's so hard. Sucks, dude. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to kick somebody. And <laughs> Jesus, my my Christian heart, dude. My Christian guilt kicks in all the time. Like when you were like, suck my. I was like, no! <laughs> I was like, no. See, I grew up in a Christian household, but I also grew up in a very, very ghetto area. So that stuff all blends together. It's like, oh. praise the Lord, but fuck you. My mom never even cursed. Oh, dude. I've heard my mom curse one time, and, and she was like, well, you know, um, the uh, hey bitch podcast. That's so funny. I swear to God, I, the only time I've heard her curse is when she said the name of the show. And normally she doesn't say it. <laughs> 
You know, it reminds me. Of, I feel like your mom is like George. I would be like, no, not your mom, but I would be like, have you seen this a key and Peele uh, sketch with a? Uh, it's called Georgina yes. and Esther. Yes, that's, that's, that, would, that, <laughs> yeah. that would be me at church. Oh my god, that's my grandma. That's literally my grandma. <laughs> my grandma is an usher at a church. Really? Yes, yes. She has been. She has been an usher. A, a usher for like forty years. Damn. Yeah. She in there with the hat, everything, standing up there. Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> God Almighty. Esther. <laughs> now, I am a pacifist under God's request. <laughs> but if that Satan don't uh, let my grandniece go, <laughs> I'm going to snap his dick with a divine kegel. <laughs> with a divine kegel? I fucking hate you. I'm a rider. I'm gonna give him a little shoulder. <laughs> the right wing's about to climax. I'm gonna snap. Just <laughs> <laughs> a hard left. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I think this wraps this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. Anyways, guys, I think this wraps us up for this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. Please follow my guest, David. Where can they find you? They can find me on my podcast, <laughs> Genius Brain. <laughs> And Instagram, David Stone Comedy. Well, Bose, where can they find you on yeah, your podcast? Yeah, and David, I'll make sure that they put that at the bottom of the screen Thank for you, you David. So, and so of course, as always, thank you so much for watching the Bose Show. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Big Boss Bose. Make sure you like, subscribe, and drop us a comment below. Uh, we we want to do the advice column again. Send us some good stuff. And you know what? Even if it's something you're not working through right now, if it's something you've worked through in the past and you're like, I wonder how I could have done this differently. Send that shit in. You never know what people are in the same exact situation. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. <laughs> that was way better than any exit I've ever done on the show. Fuck this shit. She is she is outdoing me. I need to what the fuck was that? Hey guys, so when you <laughs> when you guys have a problem, you come through and then fucking other times something see you next time. Woo! <laughs> 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 <laughs>